The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The decisions you make in your health choices can truly reflect the current and future course of your life. Welcome to Wise Chats, Simple Talk, Profound Wisdom, with your host, Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. Our show will bring leading-edge expertise to deep challenges faced by individuals and humanity. We'll draw on ancient wisdom as well as the latest research from our diverse guests. Now, here is Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. We'd like to welcome you to Wise Chats today, and I have some very special guests with me. And I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Doug Capagrossi, who's the president of Akamai University that is located in Hilo, Hawaii. I've been associated uh, with uh, the university for about five years now and have been very impressed with what their philosophy and goals are and how they work with the students. And so I thought it was... uh, very timely to introduce uh, to our community at large this uh, what the opportunities are for study in the field of uh, a variety of topics, but in particular what I'm what um, my area is uh, complementary therapy. So, uh, welcome to our show, Doug, and I'd like for you to, if you can, share the mission of the university and how it got started. I'm honored to be your guest, Mary Jo. I, I love working with you. You have a lot of energy. It falls in line with, with, with the hopes and dreams of the early founders. Um, more than a decade ago, in early 2002, my colleagues at founding included um, prior colleagues both in correctional education and in distance learning. And uh, together we, we had unique backgrounds. Uh, so my colleagues and I hoped over time to contribute in a meaningful manner toward betterment of the human condition. And we were going to do that through the areas that we knew, through quality ventures in education, research, and human service, community service. <clears throat> We set up our headquarters in Hilo, Hawaii, and chose a name that would honor the community in which we were founded. Akamai means wisdom or intelligence in the Hawaiian language. And uh, we established as a nonprofit tax-exempt organization to be governed by a voluntary board of directors. Uh, at the present time, the majority are residents of East Hawaii here in our local community. The remainder are, are the strong, among the stronger elements of our faculty. And um, so we've built quite a, a sound board. The mission of the university was founded upon the premise 
that amelioration of major world problems and the creation of sustainable lifestyles and global practices are to be understood to be the hallmarks of responsible individual and corporate world citizenship. We thought to focus on those that were seeking to achieve elements of our mission and to try to, to be supportive in our education ventures and research to support that. As generators of new knowledge and developers of new systems, our sole mission has been, uh, as an institution, the advancement of the human condition and sustainability of the planet. So since our beginning, Akamai has worked closely under the advisement of the Millennium Project, which was initially a uh, United Nations University project, a think tank to look to the future to see how things might evolve for the better if we got started now. Um, the Millennium Project had delineated 15 global challenges that provided a framework for addressing the future of the human race and global prospects for humanity and overall. The global challenges that they had listed and worked so hard to define served as a guide for Akamai. The Millennium Project, members of the, of the local Millennium Project unit, uh, served to advise us. And so the global challenges served as a guide, and we progressed in determining our founding mission, the goals and objectives, and how we might attack these global challenges. All of this uh, generated the underpinnings for, for our degree programs. And uh, health and wellness, of course, was, was extremely vital since we understand that uh, diseases once thought to be wiped out are finding their way back and, and they're coming in strong. And the, uh, the, the prospect of uh, mental health the expansion of mental health crises uh, also needs to be brought to mind. That's really important what you're bringing up, Doug, because it uh, matches what my philosophy has been, both as a young graduate and very eager nurse who was uh, instilled in me the importance of education and linking together to deal with core problems that are going on in the world. And I can remember as a naive young graduate in 1967, which was a very long time ago, that I joined the American Red Cross or I took their training for disaster relief because what was instilled in me is that we really need to pay attention to what the needs are of the broader world community. And over the years, I haven't had as... Uh, a much direct contact with it except until probably the last uh, five years or so. A couple of the organizations that I was on the board of directors with, I helped guide it that their, their mission and uh, their objectives would take into the consideration of dealing with uh, how we prepare people to deal with disasters, both in helping those who go mm -hmm. through disasters of all different kinds, as well as uh, how to um, 
help those who've been directly affected by it. And I would say that philosophy continues to influence my life today in planning for the future. And as I was uh, listening yesterday to the news where they were talking about the resistance in the United States of uh, our two major political parties are uh, have their nose, they're going nose to nose around how they're going to deal with health care. I remember personally as an individual and as an educator and a health care practitioner step, stepping back from what I was listening to and saying, we, we need to find another way. We need to find ways how to help people get well, how to stay well, and prevent illness um, through means that are compatible with the cultures that they grew up in, in their unique cities and uh, rural areas and other countries. It isn't, it isn't just in one perspective. We need to think of it from a, a worldview because what happens in one country can affect another. And I'm remembering, remembering when the tsunami hit and how that uh, it went not only the areas that it directly devastated, but it went through the whole world, the wave effects of that. And it's like we're now we're just beginning to understand the importance of how we are all connected and we need to okay. each in our own little way take some responsibility for helping to solve these problems. Yes. We have uh, an institution that seems to parallel your thinking and that, as you know, our colleagues believe it's no small aspiration to strive for a world filled with greater peace, balance, cooperation, and the promise of an evolved human fellowship. We can see these as noble foundation stones upon which to establish the fundamentals of sustainable human culture. They are spiritual principles that demand a worthy mission, you know, and although these tasks and goals seem immense, we believe they are attainable with adequate understanding of the problems and the solutions and the full commitment and action of the global community and those of us that have a heart to do something to contribute. Well, that's really uh, significant and I'm remembering as you're describing that uh, one of one of our guests uh, that we will be having on the show is Aborigine Elder uh, Bob Randall, who uh, I've been associated with for about uh, 15 years now. And I would say one of the major ways that um, he influenced my life, it wasn't just what I received from in academia when I got my doctorate degree, which was in the 70s, again, a very long time ago. But the things that I learned from Bob Randall is I walked the land in Australia and listened to the hearts of the indigenous people from that country. I learned how to work with plants, how to work with the environment, how to work with the animals, and how to honor them in a way that was so different from what I'd learned in my academic experience. And it's it's not so much that I'm trying to say, ain't it awful that these things were missing in my educational experience, but on the other hand, I may be accurate in saying that, that 
we need to look at some of uh, the stereotypes and some of the rigid ways on how we're approaching education and begin to embrace new ways of uh, uh, looking at how we can reach out to people and deal with and solve some of the world's problems. And I, yeah, if we don't secure the future through higher education and social programs, then we have failed our children. That's true. And I'm reminded, I, sh- I shared with you that last weekend I uh, spent uh, five days taking care of my grandkids while my son and daughter-in-law were um, um, involved in a major project. And uh, what became so clear to me as I was doing the grandmother thing and uh, dealing with all of the needs of small children, I became so much aware of the educational process. And here these two young children, age uh, three and six, mm-hmm. were working with the iPad and looking at the, uh, and playing with some of the educational things that were on there. And I was so struck by that and by when I was reading them their bedtime stories that I became motivated to, I would love to write a children's series based upon some of the principles that I teach around health and wellness and spirituality and find ways to reach this next generation because they know how to work with this technology almost better than we do. Yeah. We, uh, we believed early on at Alchemy that we needed a diverse community and that that community needed to be in touch with one another. We found that uh, you cannot, cannot integrate efforts if you don't even know the people and their culture. So many of us have, have associations in different uh, nations, and uh, Akamai, of course, has 40 nations now that we're uh, integrated with, both in Asia and Africa and in the uh, first world. I, I was, I was uh, taken by your discussion of personal contact with uh, other cultures. And I, I had one small association that I, I thought I had input. The Ohlone Indians are... Uh, populate uh, the state of California. They live in and among the the rest of the community. And uh, I met one of the chiefs, Chamo Candelaria, who kept asking me to come down, come down to our sweat lodge. Doug, please come to our sweat lodge. And he asked me over a period of a year, and finally my, uh, my wife and daughter encouraged me, why don't you go? He keeps asking. So we went one evening um, to Hollister, California, and uh, into the property of, of the chief. And there they had a sweat lodge and a, a couple of other uh, native dwellings. The, uh, there was a fire going, and I could see rocks in and among the coals, and the rocks were, were you know, glowing. And uh, we all went into the sweat lodge and we sat in a circle. And there was a, a concave uh, ditch in the middle where they would put the rocks. And they put two and then uh, 
the chief threw some some water and put some herbs and uh, the steam went up, hit the roof and came down behind us all. As they added rocks, it became more and more uh, difficult to do anything but just breathe. So my mind cleared and then I heard the drumming and uh, I know that Hollywood just has it, hey, 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 and uh, they uh, bang on drums, but I could hear a language. And uh, then uh, Chamo stopped, and then he, he chanted, thank you, grandfather, for sending your son so the white man can know you as we know you. And I was just in awe because I'm a strong Christian, and I, I got a perspective of how they view things. And uh, while we criticize their their culture for having uh, perhaps uh, old-fashioned religion, I found through this uh, experience that that they do seek to have a closeness with the same God that we have. And it changed my whole perspective. Um, so. This uh, sweat lodge experience stayed with me for quite a while. That you, if you don't get down into the uh, inner workings of the culture you're attempting to understand, then it's just book learning won't do it. So I appreciated your your input on on your friends and uh, brought to mind Jamo and his group. Well, I, I, I also appreciate your bringing that up because what I found in the current teaching that I'm doing, I have a strong foundation from traditional academia. I went to North Texas State University for my doctorate and Xavier University for my master's and my bachelor's is in nursing at College of Mount St. Joseph on the Ohio. And the first uh, bachelor's and master's were uh, Christian education, Catholic education. And for my doctorate, uh, it wasn't. And so then I began to see a different perspective in working in different parts of the country, in Utah and Texas and St. John's, Newfoundland. And then I taught in uh, Australia as well. I began to see the world with different eyes than just from my academic academic experience and thought we need to go to a broader perspective and one of my colleagues who is Virginia Satir, the late Virginia Satir, who also greatly influenced my life, used to talk about talk about whole person education and at the time I thought what is she referring to with whole person education and over the years I've come to deal with it, it's not just things you memorize or facts that you learn about and you work on uh, projects that are written papers that sit on somebody's shelf. Yes. They're, they're very vibrant uh, projects, and that's what I really like about Akamai, the commitment to work on concrete problems. And I had... had um, I left the university full-time in 1987, and I remember when a request came across my desk when Akamai was looking for faculty as you were building an energy med uh, energy psychology degree, 
And as I thought about that, I thought, well, I'll go back and help him. It won't be the same way because I've been an educator for 25 years doing the traditional route. It'll be something different. And when I sent that email, I had such an energetic shift within my body. And I said to my colleague, I have just changed the course of my life. And this is what I want to highlight about the opportunities at Akamai University, that we're looking at education in a different way. We're linking people throughout the world. And I actually wasn't aware, uh, like you had mentioned, Doug, there are 40 uh, uh, different nations that you're working with. That's inspiring. And trying to link them together and communicate and deal with projects across the world is uh, really pretty amazing. And uh, we're almost getting close to the break here now. And If I could quickly, that's why we have individualization of our programs because we can't say, we can't dictate that this is the way you should do it in, in your culture, in your nation, just because we as the United States of America have a certain way of doing things. And so we, we've, uh, we've insisted that our programs look to the issues that the, that our students will actually have to deal with when they get to the, to their, get back to their careers. And, uh, that is, uh, that's, Exactly what I believe in, and when we come back from our break, we'll be talking with a couple of, one of uh, is uh, my students who graduated with uh, a PhD in energy medicine and uh, has a very exciting research that she did as well as the work that she's continuing, and then also another one who's in her uh, the thesis stage of her doctoral dissertation. But I thought it was important to get the background from you, Doug, and I appreciate that. And um, is there are there any closing remarks you'd like to say before we finish before the break? Just one brief one that we we continually seek like-minded affiliations worldwide, where we can understand their needs and attempt in collaboration to build programs. We've done it a number of times and it seems to be working quite well where we have information about the actual needs that we're addressing from those that live within the communities where we're attempting to build a program to serve. So uh, I hope that was clear. (laughs) Yes, yes it is. And uh, I'm in the process of negotiating with a group in um, Guatemala to form an affiliation with them. And so we'll be um, uh, continuing to connect and build on the theme and the mission and philosophy that you shared. And so uh, thank you for joining us, Doug. And uh, we'll continue to stay connected. And uh, um, we'll talk some more about this at another time. Okay. Appreciate appreciate and, and best wishes with your efforts here. Thank you, Doug. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. 
The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live... Visit the Energy Medicine Partnerships website at www.energymedicinepartnerships.com for workshops, classes, and special events promoting health and healing. These holistic programs are available for both health professionals and lay individuals. Water Lily Press NC provides the teaching materials for these programs, and you can find a link to Water Lily Press NC when you visit energymedicinepartnerships.com. While you're on the site, you may also check out Akamai University's Distant Education Programs, where Dr. Mary Jo Bullbrook is Director of the Complementary Therapies Programs. Akamai University offers postgraduate diploma clinical education programs preparing clinicians, practitioners, and specialists in complementary therapies, as well as both master's and doctoral education in complementary therapies. For more information about Akamai University, visit akamaiuniversity.us. That's A-K-A-M-A-I university.us. And for more information about Energy Medicine Partnerships, visit energymedicinepartnerships.com. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. This is Wise Chats, simple talk, profound wisdom. To reach Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook or today's guest, please call us at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Mary Jo at energymedicinepartnerships.com. Now, back to Wise Chats. Welcome back to the show. We are pleased to have two additional guests on our show. And I'm going to start first with uh, hearing from Leslie Whitcomb, who's a PhD candidate in applied eco-psychology. Uh, I've worked closely with Leslie as she is also a member of our academic council and one of the voices representing the student input in some of the curriculum and decision-making things that we do at Akamai. And I'm very impressed with the work she has been doing. At uh, She is at her thesis stage of development, and it fits right into what uh, Doug and I had just been finishing discussing and talking about whole person education, and I think in the department that she's in, they, they are, are really integrating it at, uh, at the level that uh, we had been describing. So I'd, I'd like to welcome you to the show, Leslie, and if you say a little bit about, um, we can start anywhere, if you'd like to start about your um, 
research and or how you got interested in the work and uh, then also um, comment about your um, uh, what your dissertation work is on. So I'll I'll leave it up to you, Leslie, where you'd like to start. All right. Thank you. And feel free to interrupt with questions at any point. <clears throat> well, thank you for a lovely introduction with Doug. I appreciated the highlight of the nonverbal and sensory levels of being open to learning as he experienced in the sweat lodge and as you've sought out in your contact with people all over the globe, Mary Jo. Um, your work with Aboriginal folks and shamanic folks, and yet keeping a foot in both worlds, as it were. Um, I grew up white and Native American heritage, and so I've had lived experience on a daily basis of the nonverbal sensory wisdom that's available to us. I'm sitting here right now looking out my window at a beautiful little Japanese maple turning red at the top and still green at the bottom. And for me, on a sensory level, the color, the understand about seasonal shifts, the knowledge that I share air with this life form, it's connection. And that connection and compassion opens me to people all around the globe. We're all together in perception and connection. But I also grew up in white culture, so it's very important for me I love research. I love empirical and statistical data. I think our cognitive minds are also works of wonder. So what I have found so valuable at Akamai and Project Nature Connect, the Institute of Graduate Education, started by Mike Cohen, who's my department chair and affiliate with Akamai, is that there's room for many worlds of wisdom, And so I can feel at ease as a student. Uh, You know, I've always been treated well and very kindly in APA-based psychology programs, in my marriage and family program as a younger student. But often I just didn't feel at home. And then when I went to another side of a program where it was purely energy medicine-based or purely sensory-based or like somatic healing therapies, I very much appreciated that wisdom. But again, I felt like something was missing. So what I am loving from Akamai and, and how you roll out your learning and the resources for research and experiential learning you give your students and absolutely faithful to in my Project Nature Connect program because that is extremely experientially based. Um, Dr. Cohen does an incredible job of making the learning first an experience and then a synthesis. Um, I'm loving the balance and that is feeding my research. As a, as a family therapist, as an educator, I'm interested in how do people learn? How do you change co- consciousness? You talk with Doug about compassion, about wanting to change the world. How do we do that? You know, after years and years, as you know, as a nurse and our, our other guest knows as, as a researcher, it comes down to that moment of I, I want to be more kind or I want to grow better wheat or... How do you do that in a learning process? And I feel like ACMI really invites that. Um, so my research is about how do you take a sensory learning process, a quiet moment in nature, a moment in a sweat lodge, um, a moment that a group comes together and finds harmony, but then how do you respectfully and lovingly 
translate that into a statistical theme that can be read for learning outcomes. How do you know that you've reached people with learning outcomes? I really think that's a valuable aspect of Western approaches to learning. We need to know what we're doing. We, we need to know its impact. And Akamai creates a foundation for that and really supports it. So I've been able to develop, with the help of my husband, who is uh, also a professor, a learning measurement tool that gives us fairly decent statistical probabilities as far as learning outcomes, but it's profoundly respectful of uh, a more sensory, heart-based, intuitive, energy-based approach to reality. Um, so I, that, you know, I don't think I could have done that anywhere else. As open-minded as many, many programs are, and I very much appreciate them, Akamai and Project Nature Connect support that balancing. And I think you're getting from the contact I've had with council members, with many of the students in our very exciting Project Nature Connect, you're getting amazingly fruitful solutions and approaches to some of the world problems that Akamai is trying to address. So that's about, I think for me, that pretty much says the gist of what I'm doing. That's very exciting, uh, Leslie, and uh, I I totally agree with you that uh, finding ways how to get at the grassroots level within a particular culture uh, um, finding out how they learn, how they pass on information, and how we can document, as you were pointing out, the outcome that it is making a difference, I think is absolutely huge. It really is a bridge in blending the two worlds. And uh, <clears throat> I found uh, in my own educational experience when I was struggling with, uh, we had to learn um, both philosophy and uh, theology at the school where I was. We had a minor in that. It was required because it was a church-related uh, university. And in one particular course at the time, I uh, we were studying uh, St. Thomas Aquinas and the in-depth oh, wow. books that yeah. he had written. And wow. that was a daunting experience. So I went to my major professor, I, and I asked him, I said, instead of taking the final exam, can I, I may have been a senior or at least a junior, can I um, um, synthesize all of what I have learned throughout the years studying here and apply it to my personal life, what the teachings really have meant to me? And to my surprise, he actually said yes. I don't. One, I, I can't believe I had the nerve to ask him because it was so different, different from what he time. was expecting. Yeah, and uh, but it became one of the most significant experiences because I wasn't so much caught up in what does he need me to feed back to him. What I was concerned about is. What have I learned these three or four years I've been working on my bachelor's here that applies to my life? Where, where have I identified the values? And that concept, I think, influenced why I chose, in particular, what I'm doing now to always support the individual in their self-discovery. What do they want to learn? What do they want to do? What's important to them? And how to foster that development. And I think what you 
articulated to me was the same thing. Yes, same it concept. very much was. Yeah. And he actually allowed you to do the, what is the heart of Thomas Aquinas' work, which is going to the heart of, of God in mystery. So he allowed you to have your own journey, which is fabulous. And that, but that is what I experience in my education. It is the room to not meet a societal norm and to not meet APA expectations or a set expectation. Yet there is also enough structure to support active learning. It isn't just go off and, and dissolve into ecstasy and then, and then just let, let that be the experience, which is fine. But I have found in academia that the structure is also really important. So it's such a complement of giving space to breathe and to really experience learning, but then also giving structure to help bring that to fruition somehow. I think the other person with us today, Christine, really speaks to that because she's taken that much further than my personal work here, you know, would ever go. She's really taken that and just run with it. It's amazing. Well, well, I have to tell a story on Christina and uh, <laughs> get ready. No, actually, it's it's a very good experience. When when she was focusing in on her res- on her research that she wanted to do, and of course she'll she'll speak specifically what her interests uh, was and how we move from one direction, then another direction, then a third direction, till she finally landed. Uh, where she is, which actually is the perfect place where she is now and what she did. Uh, It couldn't be more perfect. And one of her, um, uh, but the journey to get there, I also found very fascinating. And the other person on uh, Christina's um, uh, research committee is uh, Dr. Jim Oshman, who is a foremost leader in energy medicine. And he came to North Carolina when uh, Chris was, uh, um, I'm not sure if it, at the time we were, we were doing something together, both for the university, but he was actually uh, uh, speaking at, uh, sponsored by their institute. And <clears throat> when he and I walked, uh, and Chris showed us where she was working and the work she was doing, we, both of us kind of walked around with our mouths hanging open and totally envious uh, in the positive sense of everything at the resources that Chris had created to support her to do her academic training. And it was, and I, I actually believe it was tied into Chris's spiritual perspective and insights and um, commitment that contributed to her landing where she landed. And I'll, I'll let her give her perspective on that journey now. Thank you for inviting me on the show. I think this is a, a good discussion to have. And for people who are uh, wanting to further their education, there are opportunities to to have graduate degrees and in fields that they're interested in, especially when it comes to spiritual thought. And um, my beginning in this whole um, scenario was back in 1992 when I read a book by Barbara Ann Brennan called Hands of Light. Now, Barbara Brennan, for those of you who don't know, is an astrophysicist who began seeing auras around people. And after confirming that she did not have eye problems, she realized that what she was seeing had energetic uh, value. And she began studying it, and she wrote about her her findings 
in that book. Well, when I read that book, I had this moment of insight that said, I have to do research in this field. It was as if something came over me and and told me that this was what I was born to do and that if I was given anything else to do the rest of my life, I wouldn't be as happy. So I pursued it. Now, at the time, I had a bachelor's degree in psychology, so I decided if I was going to really understand energy, I needed a physics degree. Well, you know, it's one thing when spirit leads you and you have, like, a mathematical background and, and all the math, I mean, the science it takes, but I didn't. I wandered in where, where angels fear to tread, and I did get a physics degree. And to this day, I'm, I'm not really sure how, but I graduated with a decent GPA. <laughs> and then I, I realized that if I was going to study energy medicine, I had to be able to practice it. And so my modality of choice was polarity therapy. And one reason why I really like it is that because it studies the energy field from a physics perspective. It talks about the energetic lines of the polarity that's involved in the human energy field and the positive and negative poles, how you work with those poles to balance the energy. And I worked my way up from associate to registered to a board-certified polarity practitioner. And I became a polarity educator, but I really still wanted to do the research. So I began looking for a university that could give me the rigorous education, the the high-quality curriculum I was looking for. And there were not very many universities out there that had that. But when I saw Akamai University, I realized this is what I was looking for. And, and the curriculum is rigorous. It expects a lot from its students. But I learned more than I, I could ever imagine from going to this university. And the online courses are, are structured. You have to be good with your time management. But they cover so many different topics, and it really helped me find which direction I wanted to go. So working with James Oshman and Mary Jo Bulbrook was a delight. She was also one of my professors. And when I gave intention to the universe that I needed a research experiment, I just asked Spirit to guide me to my highest and best use because I really didn't, I didn't know exactly how I was going to manifest this research project. So as luck would have it, I, I was in the yoga class with a colleague who ended up telling me that the Wake Forest Center for Integrative Medicine was doing research in energy medicine. And she gave me a, the contact of a woman named Kathy Kemper, who at the time was the director. And I contacted her, and she said, oh, yes, we have five different research projects. But when she told me about the magnetics project, I instinctively knew that's what I wanted to do. Now, she told me that the money was already in place and the lab was already in place. All they needed was the scientists to fill the gap. And, and I walked. It was as if the universe had set up everything beforehand and I knew that my intention had brought me there. My meditation had brought me to that place in time. And believe you me, when I walked into that lab, I felt the same way that you and James Oshman did. I was like deer in the headlights looking at all this equipment, all these these 
postdocs and faculty that had been working in genetics and and bioengineering and molecular biology for years, and I I wasn't even a biologist. You know, I was a physicist, but I knew that spirit had brought me here, and I knew this is where I was supposed to be. And it took me about a year to learn even how to pipette cells and grow them without killing them. I mean, it was, it was a struggle. <laughs> but you know what? When you know you're in the place that you're supposed to be and you're doing what you're supposed to do, the thought of quitting never occurs to you. You say, this is where I'm supposed to be. And you keep working and working and working. And what I ended up studying was really interesting because as an energy medicine practitioner, I knew that there, was, there were energy fields coming out of my hands, going into the energy fields of people that I worked on and worked with. And I really wanted to understand what this energy was. And I knew from my research, at, I mean, my studies at, at Akamai University, that the hands of practitioners emit a frequency between about 0.3 hertz and 30 hertz. And so it was my goal to study those frequencies. And the more I began thinking about what I wanted to study and the more I looked at disease and different diseases that were prevalent in our society, the more I began to realize that inflammation is a basic underlying cause of so many diseases. So I began to study inflammation. That's fabulous. Wow. When I did somatic healing and did energy work with my own hands, you know, across many, many people, the, one of the ways I read people the quickest and the easiest was by finding inflammation in the body because your hands, if you are trained, picks up on that tiny, subtle difference in the heat field. Yes. Not even that you feel it as heat, but the palm of your hand notices electromagnetically the difference in the frequency of the energy pattern, which is heat. And inflammation is where illness is. That's amazing. Wow. Well, yes, it was amazing. And what else the universe sent me was this amazing scientist that sat next to me that just happened to have studied inflammation for her PhD. So wow. the universe brings you what you need when you need it. And so I began to study, and, and she taught me that cells communicate with each other. They yeah. communicate with electrical impulses. They communicate with protein molecules. They communicate with ligand receptor interconnections. And the information transmits from cell to cell through these, through these connections. And that the inflammation is... is uh, a process that sends information and, and an alarm system to the entire body when the body's under attack, say by a bacteria or a virus or a toxic chemical. This information goes into the entire body and that there are applications that can control this. Now, normally in conventional medicine, they use pharmaceuticals. And, but I knew with my hands that there was an effect. I wanted to test it with a device so that I could produce data that you could analyze statistically and, and show that there was a significant difference. And I had really, I had no idea if it would work with a device. I used an electromagnetic field device that, known as a Helmholtz coil, but it was hooked up to a frequency generator so I could regulate which frequencies I used. And I used all different frequencies between the 0 and 30 hertz frequency that was measured from the hands of practitioners. And there was a statistically significant effect, but it was also frequency dependent because mm -hmm. in the higher frequencies, there wasn't 
so much of an effect, but at 5 hertz, I saw a statistically significant effect in the downregulation of inflammatory markers that were being communicated between the cells. So at that point, I realized, yes, that something outside the cell, like an electromagnetic field, could affect the way that cells are communicating with each other, especially when it comes to inflammation. And, and to me, this was very significant for, for being a scientist, an energy medicine practitioner, and as a grad student, because I had publishable data on all levels. It's fascinating because then at some point you also need to teach the patient or the client how to downregulate their own energy. So it's it's fascinating that the outside can impact it and then it's wonderful that they then could learn practices and that's part of what Project Nature Connect does is have people go out in nature and it has amazing effects of people learning how to downregulate their own inflammation, whether that's on the perceptual level or a physiological level. And then also when you think about it, our planet right now is experiencing an inflammation. So this work then becomes global because as, as practitioners and as students, we're helping on a planetary network to begin addressing personal inflammation but also ecological inflammation effects. Yes, absolutely. One of the things that... Um, uh, 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 two things I'd, I'd like Chris to mention her book that she's doing, but before she gets to that, I want to call attention to Anadia Judith has a 2013 publication that just came out called The Global Heart Awakens, and it's humanity's rite of passage from the love of power to the power of love, and it is so significant and built on what... Um, Leslie was just talking about how we move from the individual and their particular experience and on a planetary level that Doug was also talking about, we must come together and address different problems. And Chris, um, I know you recently have published a book and I'd like for you to share things about it because it's very, very comprehensive and helps set the stage building on both your research and your experience as an energy healer. Yes, so. I, I did write a book. It's The title of my book is Etiology, E-T-I-O-L-O-G-Y, and it means the cause of or the study of disease. And the subtitle is How to Detect Disease in Your Energy Field Before It Manifests in Your Body. I wrote this book while I was writing my literature review for my doctoral thesis. And the reason that I got the idea for this book was because as I was studying inflammation and I saw how many diseases had a base cause of inflammation, I began to really think about what disease is. And I started to look at conventional medicine, realizing that conventional medicine only looks at the human organism from a physiological standpoint. We're starting to, to look at some physiological stressors and, and relate that to, to physiological problems, but we're missing out a big part of the human organism. If we're not looking at human beings as physiological, psychological, emotional, and spiritual beings, then we're not going to truly understand what disease is because 
what I write about in my book is disease starts at the very essence of our being, at our soul level. And that by the time it's expressed physiologically, there have been problems going on emotionally and psychologically. And that, that disease is about information that something is wrong in the system long before it manifests on a physiological level. And I looked at a lot of published research that, that backs up my thinking. I also looked at other options besides pharmaceuticals and surgery that allow patients and people to make other choices for their health care options besides what conventional medicine has to offer. And I also reference published research that aligns with energy medicine and other options besides pharmaceuticals and surgery. Well, that's what I found so brilliant about your book, Chris, the comprehensiveness of it. And I, I do want to, I, I can't pass this up, point out the comment that while you were doing your dissertation research, you actually did all of the foundation for the book. That is absolutely amazing. That, that I mean, that's, that's amazing. And in addition to that, there were parts of when she was working, uh, she also had a number of published papers in peer review journals according to different stages of the thesis work that she was doing. And she totally met what her commitment was. And for me, it's, it's the foundational piece that is so critical that all three of you have brought out Doug and uh, Christina and also Leslie and talking about when people follow what their dream is and follow spiritual guidance and achieve balance in their life. And that's what the essence is of what we're trying to do. And we, I always like to add a, an infra, um, a uh, intention card for the uh, uh, Wise Chat show and have people with some takeaway things. And the two I'd like to comment on is one is fulfill your dreams. And I recently came from uh, Peru, Lima, Peru, where uh, a conference that was linked people from Argentina, Bolivia, uh, Ecuador, Chile, and uh, there were about 150 people who gathered who had been studying energy medicine and one of the things that I brought forward because they were looking at what are some of the things for the future is I kept emphasizing fulfill your dreams and that's what both of you as a student and Christina a recent uh, student but now a graduate and uh, working full-time uh, in the same environment where she did her study they recognize um, what she had and the collaborative effect and that's that's brilliant and this part on the uh, card says dream your dreams build your destiny become fulfilled believe in yourself and in your po- potential you are a creator you are a dream maker you are a songwriter for your inner being No one else needs to agree with you as you only have to please yourself and reach your highest potential as determined by your yardstick. Become the creator of your dreams and controller of your destiny in alignment with the soul. And I 
I believe this is what we're doing. And uh, I'd like to thank both of you for coming. We've had a great time being together. And uh, I look forward to um, spending more time and uh, getting feedback from others uh, who'd like to call in. And so thanks, uh, Doug, Leslie, and Christina for being on the show. And uh, I'd like to invite... uh, Uh, the audience to come back and tune in next week to hear some more wise chats. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks again for being a part of Wise Chats. Please join your host, Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook, again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. We hope that you have a great week.